welcome to the Milk Bottle e-commerce show, brought to you by Milk Bottle Labs, Ireland's top-rated and officially accredited Shopify and Clavio e-commerce experts. Founder Keith Matthews interviews e-commerce professionals, app developers and entrepreneurs to share as much digital knowledge and e-commerce tips and tricks as possible. This podcast is kindly supported by our go-to e-commerce tools. Rewind.io, the leading backup solution for Shopify, BigCommerce, Trello and more. Let's just say it's the cheapest insurance policy you'll ever get for your Shopify store and all your valuable data. Simply go to rewind.io forward slash milk bottle to get your first month for free or go to Shopify application to supercharge in-store pickup and local delivery on your Shopify store is Zapiet. It's fully customizable and scalable from one location to thousands. Backed by outstanding customer support, it's no wonder Zapiet is trusted by over 10,000 plus stores across 150 countries. Now over to your host, Keith Matthews. Hey folks, welcome back. My guest today is Clara O'Leary. Clara is the founder of Irish-based business, the Carebox Collection. And Carebox Collection is an Irish gift company that provide meaningful and affordable gifts to online retail and corporate clients across Ireland, the UK and the EU. And of course, it is built on Shopify. I recently met Clara at a public event in Dublin and I cheekily made a uh, reference to the podcast and invited anybody at the event to um, to come talk to me. And Clara was the only one. And I am delighted to welcome Clara today. Clara, how are you? Good, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Fantastic. Um, I have to say, when I met you first, I was very impressed. I was on stage plugging the podcast. And as I just said, you were the only one that actually came up to me. I didn't know about your business. And uh, we had a quick chat. And before we pressed record, I was saying that uh, I think 60-70% of the individuals that come to us to work with Milk Bottle Labs are actually female and you are an absolute prime example of that and you know thanks for taking the time out of your day to join me. No problem at all. I'm As I said I'm delighted to be here. I think it's a fantastic opportunity and I think you touched on something there that I believe is so important is that finding opportunities in business it, rather than just waiting for them to fall on your lap yeah. and reaching out when you can to do things like this is yeah. brilliant. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Now, of my generation, it is very, very rude to ask a lady her age. But your age in this case is absolutely relevant because you're a recent graduate of UCD. The business is only three years old and you are well under 30. Okay. So Let's just, I suppose, let's start by explaining to everybody exactly what Carebox Collection is and explain how it got started. Yeah, so I suppose, as you mentioned in the introduction, we are an e-commerce gift company, primarily providing meaningful yet affordable gifts to our retail and corporate customers across Ireland, the UK and EU. So in essence, I want to provide something that allowed you to show someone that you care, whether that's on a birthday, for condolence, celebrating occasion or letting them know you're thinking of them during a difficult time, but doing that in an affordable way. Because I don't believe that every gift or every occasion warrants a huge price tag, particularly at this point in time where we're all experiencing the cost of living crisis. Um, We wanted to make sure that you could do that and you could send a nice gift with meaning behind it that was personalised, but without breaking the bank. So, Clara... I just thought of this as you were saying that. Is it correct to say that, I mean, flowers have become very expensive, okay? 
And flowers are obviously beautiful. Everybody likes to receive flowers, okay? In the case of a condolence, there's probably a lot of flowers that are delivered to, to the house and that kind of thing. So is your biggest competitor flowers? Are you taking away from it? Is there a generation behind us that really aren't really into flowers? I think that's somewhat true. I think... If it's not true, tell me. <laughs> no, uh, no, I think you're somewhat correct. And flowers would definitely be considered a competitor of ours. Yeah. Um, I suppose I like to think of us more as but say condolence, for example, if you're relatively close to someone, a lot of people bring the family food yeah. as a way of take a break, don't yeah. worry about this, yeah. take a few moments for yourself. And flowers, as you mentioned, are lovely. People can be overwhelmed by flowers at that point in time. And we want sending a care box to be that same kind of meaningful, thoughtful. You receive something that's for you, whether that's chocolates and treats and sweets or whether it's pampering products and skincare and bath salts to help someone relax. It's something that will help them look after themselves at that point in time, which is often when they need it the most. So the, the word meaningful in your introduction is actually really, really important. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The business is only, did you say to be three years old? Yes. So we launched in late October 2020. And yes. when did, did you conceive the idea? So we had a very short concept to launch time. I first had the idea in August 2020 and the website launched then on the 28th of October. Um, so I suppose an awful lot of companies spend a long time in their concept and process on website, but I saw a gap in the market and I knew part of taking that opportunity was getting there first. So to be the first care package type company that was marketing as such and do that in a kind of strategical way, I could see the trend in the States towards care packages and in the UK and I didn't really see an offering for it here. Although there may have been the ability to create those products, there was no one advertising as that. So um, we really from there, it was about launching first and having a good product. Yeah. But making sure that we took that opportunity before anyone else did. Yeah, and the other thing is, I mean, you could, you could like, if you have a quick kind of runway to that launch, you can make mistakes very quickly and, and fix it. I think as you, what you're really trying to say is most, most businesses spend a long time planning and the market changes inside that planning phase so quickly now. Absolutely. And although it's not quite relevant in some industries, I think e-commerce gives the perfect opportunity for turning something around quickly, getting products, capitalising on a trend and going from there um, rather than having a very long process, spending weeks looking at your logo and your name. It's just, I was very simple in terms of we're going to let it do what it says on the tin. Yeah. They're care boxes. We'll yeah. make it the care box collection. Do a basic Shopify website that I did myself. Yeah. And a, again, yeah. very basic Canva logo, another fantastic tool that I have utilized throughout the process. Yeah. Um, and go go from there rather so you, than... You've, you've answered the question I was going to ask. And, and, and obviously Shopify needs some credit here because you can, you can if you want, sit down on a Friday night you know, with a glass of wine or with a cup of tea. And then by Sunday, if you just ignore your friends for the weekend, you can obviously get something online. And that that seems to be what you did. Is that correct? Yeah, a little bit more than a weekend, but okay. in essence, yes. Yeah. Okay. So did you have any e-commerce experience 
before that? Or did you just sign up to a trial of Shopify and wait for the emails to come in and just play with it? Like, did you have any understanding of what was actually ahead of you? So to answer this question, I I think it's relevant to give you a little bit on my background. So I studied in UCD and I did politics and sociology. I had always wanted to be an entrepreneur when I was a child. I'm lucky to have fantastic female entrepreneurs in my family. And that was definitely the road I wanted to take. But there weren't undergraduate courses at the time that I felt focused on what I was looking to do. So, and but I definitely wanted to study in UCD. So I went in and did politics and sociology, but in UCD, you can do electives. So I chose electives in e-marketing, accounting, Chinese Mandarin, entrepreneurial endeavor, etc. So I don't have official business qualifications, but I did do college modules in specific areas. So I would have had minimal experience in that world. You also did the same modules that the BCom graduates did, that the engineering graduates did, and then the all, all the other business graduates did. You were clever enough to try, kind of just look slightly outside the box. So you were doing an arts degree, but you were also studying with BCom students. Isn't that right? Exactly. So I was just selective in what I was looking for. Yeah. And I studied then the modules that I felt would be most relevant. So from there, I then went into one or two roles with various companies, but quickly launched Carebox Collections. So I was 22 when the company launched. And okay, I, I had a basic knowledge. I knew Shopify existed. I wasn't a web developer. I couldn't write code. So I think I felt very fortunate to be starting a business in an era where I had tools like Shopify and Canva to utilize. Um, and that was a huge help in launching the business. So although there was a little bit of experience there, there wasn't an awful lot. Now, your, your story is typical of what a lot of people have, have done over the last few years. And the simplicity of Shopify and the ability to get up and running is is obviously part of that. Absolutely. But uh, I've said this before, I mean, credit where credit is due, you were clever enough and you were ambitious enough to look outside the box in your, in your arts degree and then utilise it. it. Interestingly, when I graduated, I had to go and do a postgrad and I had to learn how to code because Shopify wasn't available at the time. So it's just a reflection on changing times. Absolutely. And like I said, I think my generation are incredibly fortunate to be going through their careers in an era where those kind of tools are available and you don't, like a drag and drop website is is an amazing thing to have as a business owner where you can just constantly, constantly change it. Absolutely. We'll just hold for one second while we listen to our sponsors. Rewind.io is the leading data backup solution for your Shopify store. Did you know that there is no way of recovering lost data in Shopify? If your store is gaining traction, you may have multiple staff or third-party developers entering your store. Mistakes can happen and data can be easily deleted. Rewind.io puts you in control of your data, allowing you to restore anything accidentally lost from a single image to an entire store. It acts as a pretty cheap insurance policy for your Shopify account. At Milkbottle, we help clients reduce their business risk by installing Rewind in every single store before we make any changes. Get your first month for free by simply replying to your sign-up email. So in terms of setting the business up and that process, um, you said that you had family and you would got good advisors around and you found the platform and you found the tools like Canva. What was the biggest barrier or the biggest challenge that you experienced in that six-month period between concept to launch? I think it was probably balancing my time. So I kept my corporate job while I launched the company and making sure that I was spending enough time and going through everything, planning everything and could still launch by Christmas. 
So that was the biggest challenge is trying to balance my time between yeah. my corporate job and my, at the time, passion project. Now, just to flip the question completely, what was the thing that you thought was going to be the hardest that was actually relatively easy? I'm going to catch you out here now. That's kind of a bit of a banana skin. But when you were, you know, when you were lying in bed at night thinking of this concept, was there anything that you were frightened of and you actually came to it and you went, oh, that was actually easier than I thought? I think risk is probably there. I put my own money into the company and buying stock when I didn't yet have customers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then as we grew, buying larger and larger amounts of stock yeah. week on week in the hope that people bought it was definitely a challenge and a fear for me. Um, it's one I had to get over pretty quickly. But in those opening couple of months, it definitely felt like a gamble every time yeah. you paid a supplier yeah. for an ever-growing yeah. number of units yeah. for whatever. I, I, I talk to a lot of people and one of the biggest problems they have when they have to buy stock is actually um, suppliers taking them seriously. And unless they're going to buy X amount of units, you know, they're they're not going to deal with them. Um, did you get any of that? Or were people were people op open to dealing with you? You know, if you, if you only had to buy five or ten SKUs of something, or you know, did you get any resistance because of your scale? To be honest, no, not really. Um, I think... Part of that was because of the time we were in, it was late 2020, I was looking towards Irish suppliers. Brexit was looming. I didn't want to start purchasing from the UK when I didn't know what costs and import charges and customs duties were going to come within a couple of months. And people wanted to shop Irish. Yeah. So I wanted to be a platform where they could buy from multiple different Irish companies and put different independent Irish producers into one box and purchase it that way. So when I was dealing with Irish suppliers, I didn't really come across that at all, to be honest. But part of that may be that within a couple of weeks, we were buying much bigger quantities yes. and that those small unit skews didn't last very long. Okay. And that was probably a little bit of luck given the time that you launched in the middle of COVID. Would you agree with that? I hate the word luck. <laughs> Come on, yeah. I would agree ah, that yeah. I saw an opportunity and I took it. No, no, you, you did see the opportunity. <laughs> you 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 conceived the entire idea, but it was launched at a time where obviously e-commerce was was exploding. Absolutely, I'm not I'm not in any way trying to take from your success. <laughs> no, I, I know you yeah. wouldn't, Keith. Did you did you make any mistakes? Yes, I any any that you can share that people might learn from. Of course, I, I'm always one to share because I don't want someone to make the same mistake again. Um, my biggest mistake, I would say, is actually in relation to your previous question, stock and suppliers. Towards the end of 2020, I believed, like a lot of people do, that retail would drop off in January, that it would get very quiet. I let my stock run down. I was very glad that I was going to be pulling in a wage from my corporate job and felt a lot of security that way. And I will never forget sitting at home and watching the orders come in on Stevens's day and on those few days between Christmas and New Year's. And it was getting busier and busier. And obviously the couriers weren't picking up during a couple of those days. So I looked around and went, oh no, I don't have enough stock for it to continue like this. And yeah. it was a scramble. Um, so that that was definitely a mistake in that thinking. But but I think it was a mistake that a lot of companies made 
no one expected the boost yeah. that came in January, February. Yeah. We ended up, we ended January 200% up on December and February another 100% up on that. So growth during that period was exponential. And I would definitely say some of that came from ensuring that I never went out of stock, yeah. whether that meant driving to suppliers and picking stuff up making sure that the customers that came to our website had something to buy and we had something to offer was vitally important in those months. However, not having stock in the opening few weeks was a mistake. And I wish for my own sanity that I had purchased more at the end of December, but I didn't see it coming. Yeah, a lot of people had that problem. Um, And for it happened with four or five of our customers. And what we actually did was we went straight into Clavio. And we set up a trigger to let people know that um, we also put it into the description template on their site to say that there could be a delay in deliveries. And then we set up an automate, usually set up an automated flow anyway. But at that particular time, you're reminding me of it for Clavio to push out an email to say, please expect a, a delay. And then people will respond. And it's a good customer experience. But you just triggered something in my head. When, when we were talking before we pressed record, I was struck by your numbers. You, you said 200% in January and then 100% in the February. But me, in my naivety, I, I would have thought that your business was seasonal pre-Christmas. Would you explain to the listeners the type of customer that's purchasing in January and February? There's as many people obviously looking for this product as there is prior to the busiest season of the year. Far more. And to be completely honest, that didn't end in 2021. So I think it, similar in 2022, we saw a far larger number of customers and orders coming through in January and February than I had anticipated. Um, So I think really it's down to, like I said, one of our USPs is sending meaningful and affordable gifts. So it's not about your elaborate Christmas 250 euro presents. And the reality is that people have birthdays and go through difficult times, are in hospital. Things happen throughout the year. And although I suppose similar to your expectation, I had expected the company to be busiest around Christmas and our corporate clients would certainly be busiest around Christmas. But for our retail e-commerce customers throughout the year remains consistently busy because we capture so many different occasions that don't just happen in December. Yeah, we work with a number of businesses that would have been seasonal businesses seven or eight years ago. And what most of them have done is added to their product set and they've, they're, they're beating the kind of seasonality. But also people are buying seasonal items actually throughout the year. So, but yours isn't, a, what you're basically saying is that it's not a seasonal item. It's just, it's, it's, it's an not, all year no, round. We, we yeah. provide, so we would do specific collections. So we have a Christmas collection, we did a Halloween collection, Valentine's collection, etc. But they're in addition to our normal pre-curated boxes and then we'd have over 200 products to choose from when you're creating a custom box. So that can be everything from a bridesmaid's proposal to happy birthday, congratulations, a new baby, etc. Let's just get down to the the mechanics of the business then. Um, The order comes in from Shopify. Okay. Does your phone go ching ching? I, you, you turned it off, did you? I actually turned it oh. off and it was a very proud moment, yeah. but it got to got the to, point to where the point it didn't busy. make sense. Yeah. I still have it on my iPad yeah. and I must admit when I hear it, it is still very satisfying, yeah. but I am happy to say I got to a point where I actually took the notifications <laughs> off. <laughs> <You've> just, <laughs> that question just reminded me, I used to have that as the 
kind of in the opening sequence of the podcast, but it's gone. I must, uh, I must put it back. In. I, I would implore you to add it because it is, yeah. it is fantastically yeah. it? satisfying when yeah. you hear that sound. So, for those who don't know what it is, explain exactly what I'm talking about. So when you receive an order on Shopify, you get a beautiful little cha-ching notification that hits your phone yeah. with the number of items that have been purchased and the order value. Yeah. Okay, back to the question in terms of the mechanics. The order comes in from Shopify. You know, so what happens? Is your fulfillment outsourced? Um, I can't imagine that it would be because I think you're creating a, as you said, meaningful. It's There's a personal element to it. When the order comes in, that really kicks off our ser- the service aspect of our business. So, like you said, there's a meaningful element to, and a personal element to what we're trying to do. So I have kept all fulfillment in-house um, to give us that control over personalised notes, making sure that everything is as someone wants it. Um, so from there, we then print off the order, print off the personal note, pack the boxes and ship them out with DPD, which are normally delivered within about 48 hours. So we want, I suppose, another aspect of what I wanted to create was a really efficient service. I'm half German and I I put that down to some of my desire for efficiency. But I, I really want things in every aspect of the business to be as efficient from the team's point of view and from the customer's point of view. So trackable deliveries really quick delivery to the customers, making sure that the whole process is as streamlined as possible is really important. But does that not put you under pressure? Because then if a customer comes back and says, oh, the delivery was a day late, then I mean, that's quite stressful, isn't it? No, because my my aim with the delivery times is to surprise and delight. Okay. And that is what I, I know, a very cliche term, but we would offer express delivery for €2.50, which is very low, that will ensure your box is delivered within one to three working days. But otherwise, it's free delivery for all orders over €20, which means that most people don't actually expect it to be delivered so quickly. So part of the customer experience is them hearing from their friend the day after they ordered Mm. and saying, oh, that was brilliant. I didn't expect it to get there so early. So we want to create that element of surprise because that's the only medium in which we can do that because our customer isn't necessarily receiving the box themselves. Yeah, that's a good point. And I've heard a number of business owners say that. It's actually interesting when people complain about a site delivering late or um, delivering at a time that was unexpected when in actual fact, the chances are that it was probably clearly communicated on the website exactly when it was going to arrive. But knowing that you've thought about that is is uh, it's a reflection on your passion for the business, but also it's a reflection on your your need and your wish for ultra efficiency. Um, after we met, and then in the last couple of days when I was thinking about talking to you, I was just thinking there is a lot of this type of gifting business out there, right? Um, and I don't mean to generalize, but g- gifting is a very broad word. It's like us in the agency business. It's kind of a, it's a broad word, you know. But when you were thinking of the concept, how did you decide that you were going to differentiate yourself between, there's some there's some very large gifting businesses that there's no way they personalize like you. And if they do, they probably charge five or six times the price. So how did you make sure that you stood out from the competition, I suppose, is the simplest way I could ask that question. Yeah, so you're right. I'm I'm not under any illusions that putting things into a box and selling them is any kind of innovative, revolutionary idea. But I think as a result, 
when you're going into a market that's already saturated or seemingly saturated, being innovative in your marketing and in your pitch and in your USBs was really important. So a couple of ways that we stood out, like you said, making sure there's that meaningful aspect, personal notes, personal personalization, giving customers affordable options as well as luxury options. And then for our corporate clients, again, using those same meaningful, personalized, that that approach is something that I didn't think was really there. I was working in a corporate firm, like I mentioned, and I saw Christmas gifts come through the door and each person was receiving three or four of a relatively similar gift. And it just didn't make sense. Everyone also knew what they all cost. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't think that made sense. Yeah. So I wanted to bring that same approach to both retail and corporate. I suppose one way in which we stood out, I think a lot of businesses would sit here and say social media was the key to everything and it was the making of the company. And I think social media is brilliant. We use all platforms. I particularly in favour of TikTok and Reels, that kind of format, because it gives people an insight into what the business is and who the people are. But SEO was one of the most important factors in differentiating ourselves and competing with the big companies with almost no budget. Okay, And that was a project that I took on myself. So the easiest thing for any business to do is to open up an AdWords account and open up a Facebook business account and start advertising. And the hardest thing for businesses to do is to invest in SEO because you don't get the return for months. And it's a long tail project. It's an ongoing project. So you just struck a chord with me. So explain to people what you mean that you beat the competition by SEO. Because remember, you also explained that you built the site, right? So you know SEO more better than most people. Develop that thought. So I will say I initially threw money at Facebook ads and uh-huh. Google Words at the very that, start. Okay. Now, I didn't throw money. I was more strategic yeah, because, yeah. as I said, I had done an e-marketing module. I had a relatively good idea of what I was doing. However, because in gifting, there are so many people who look for gifts every day. So what I wanted to do was find the people that were already looking for my product and just needed to find me rather than convince people on social media that they should buy them. I wanted to find people who were already looking. So for that reason, SEO was the key. I spent a relatively low amount of money at the start trying to outsource it. It didn't work. I wasn't happy, like a lot of people. And for that reason, I took it on myself. So I did a lot of research. I spent a lot of time going through every aspect of the website and trying to optimize it for relatively few keywords at the start and then built from there. It's still something I do myself. It's still something I'm not willing to pass over because I think it has been a huge factor in our growth. And I know that I'm competitive by nature. And I think SEO is one of those amazing situations where if you're competitive and you spend time at it, you Mm. will see the results. I I would somewhat argue that it didn't take months for me to see it. It was 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 quicker. Within even two or three weeks, I was starting to see a difference. So I think even if even if businesses are looking now towards Christmas, do it now. You'll you'll be further up the ranking than you were. 
Yeah, I, I, but I think the again, you need to give, give yourself credit. The, the, you will have more success in SEO if you know your market and you know your niche. So you did, and obviously you chose keywords to target that niche and target that market. Um, and you're also talking about the marketing funnel. You were trying to get people at the top of the funnel through SEO, which is exactly what you did. Okay, we could have this conversation and we could throw lingo in. You actually did it, did the work. So I'm, I'm really impressed. Um, but for the listeners who have no idea what SEO is. Explain what it physically is on the site in terms of the titles, in terms of the descriptions, that kind of thing. So uh, to break it down a little bit more, just in case there's anyone who has no notion of what I'm talking about, SEO is search engine optimization. So the idea is when someone searches a term on Google, on Bing, on Yahoo, but primarily Google, the order in which companies or results come up is based on their SEO and how well they have optimized their page or their website for that search term. So it started initially when I was looking at it, I went through page descriptions, product descriptions, images, and headlines. So that's, uh, and I did change some product names. I suppose we're Carebox Collection. So I found it relatively easy to rank for care packages, care packages Ireland, etc. And we've held number one for that for months. And then you look towards other keywords. We looked at gift box, gift boxes Ireland, pamper hampers, etc. Probably a lot of competition there. What, am I right or wrong? Yes. For AdWords, it'd be massive competition, wouldn't there? There is some competition. Okay. Um, I am competitive. Yeah. I was willing to put in the work to get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... So, I think so. Does that translate then to ask? In case this is a stupid question, are you blogging every week as well with those pushing those keywords out? No, not entirely. No, we because, like I said, when you create a pre-curated box, we would have over two hundred products that you can choose from to put into that box. We would then have over sixty products that are pre-curated gifts, etc. So we actually have an awful lot of products oh. that we can optimize first before we look into. Okay. And, and we're constantly adding to that. Okay. So, so you, that definitely so helps. You, so you're pushing new pages in the form of product pages to Google anyway? Exactly. Okay, right. And we would be doing that, I think five or six products were added today. Yeah. There, we would be constantly adding new pages, whether that's, and, and similarly with Christmas collections and new pre-curated boxes, etc. We do all of that in-house in order to make sure that we can, our, our turnaround time on it is quite quick. So because we're adding so many product yeah. and product pages and editing those so regularly, I haven't put as much focus on blogs, but it's yeah. because... We don't need to. It's because what we do lends itself to... Yeah optimizing it in another because way. Because what you've just described, this is really important, what you've just described there is something that most people don't do. The majority of busy Shopify stores, when they gain traction, the team is just copying and pasting the the description that the distributor or the manufacturer has given them. And it's the worst thing you can do. I've mentioned it before, so I won't go into any detail, but you're optimizing and you're rewriting and it's you're doing it the right way and you've, you've won and it's good that you're competitive. Um, just before we go, you know, you're three years in, and, you know, well done on your success. It's, it's brilliant. And, and, you. and your story is, is I, I just love listening to stories like that. Have you got any exciting plans for, for 2023? Anything cool, anything hip that you can talk about? Or are you just trying to get through the orders that you have? <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure if they'd be classified as cool and hip. But um, I suppose similar to where I came up with the idea for the business, I am constantly looking for the next thing. So... 
two weeks ago, we launched six subscription boxes. Subscription boxes are huge in the US. I believe that is coming here. And I believe the Irish offering isn't great at the moment. And we'll focus on that an awful lot through 2023. I have also in the last three or four months launched our own brand range of products Ah. just to increase our margin on best-selling items. So we'll increase that range further, bring in more bespoke options. Similarly, for a lot of our corporate gifts, we offer branded items and that type of thing. So constantly expanding those ranges is also on the cards. But in, in terms of being cool and hip and trendy, our subscription boxes will be where it's at. Yeah, well, that's innovative. And it's, uh, you're dead right, it's massive in the States. I interviewed Jay Myers about a year ago. Jay Myers owns uh, the Bold Apps organization in Canada. He is the, they are the most successful Shopify app developers in the world. I think they probably have 500 staff right now. Wow, and, amazing. Uh, it's worth going back to the interview split in two. The second interview all he did was talk about subscriptions because Jay is very passionate about subscriptions and they had just launched a subscription product at the time. It's worth listening to. He's on the money and uh, obviously it's part of your strategy for, for next year. Clara, it has been absolutely fantastic to talk to you and I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much again for having me. Thank you very much and wishing you all the best in the future. Thanks for listening. All of our episodes are available on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcasts. A special note of appreciation goes to our sponsors, Rewind.io, the leading backup solution for Shopify store owners. Get your first month of Rewind for free by simply responding to any welcome email once you sign up for your free trial on Rewind.io. If you're a Shopify user with an exciting story to tell, reach out to the team on podcast at milkbottlelabs.com. Until the next time, take care.